0: Hi, welcome to the Wellness Doctors Podcast with Dr. Lorena and Dr. Vanessa. We are both medical doctors who talk about how to optimize health and well-being so that you can be empowered to make better healthy choices, enrich the lives of people around you and join us in the evolution of healthcare.
1: Hi Lorena. Hi Vanessa. This is our first podcast. Great. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we're hanging out at Lorena's place on mm-hmm. a Sunday and we just had a smoothie and two coffees. Yes. And I think we've <laughs> splashed ourselves with enough essential oil <laughs> to start our brains working. So let's dive right into it. So Lorena, tell our audience about yourself.
0: So I'm an integrative general practitioner. So I focus on nutritional medicine, lifestyle medicine, and um, basically help use utilize these tools to help people navigate the chronic illness, chronic disease space. So you started as a general practitioner. You
1: graduated in Australia?
0: Yeah, so I did my undergraduate training in Australia. Um, I did my hospital medicine and basically um. wasn't really quite happy with the results that I was seeing in the patients that was coming through hospital. And so I thought, well, general practice might be a better um, area because there were areas of preventive medicine that were being practiced um, by GPs. So I thought, well, why not try that out? Um, and I did that for probably about five years. Um, Actually, I did that here in Hong Kong. But what I found was that often I was just giving... Drugs to people with colds, flus, coughs. Um, I mean, also the antihypertensives, the antidepressants, and medication for all sorts of chronic illnesses. But over the years, um, things didn't really get better. People didn't actually come off their medication; they stayed on it, and in fact, they often had to have increase in doses or they had to have a second medication. So that's when I started to really feel frustrated and didn't feel that um, we as doctors, had the training that we needed to address a lot of lifestyle issues. You know, what should people eat? How should they exercise? How to, how to actually practically incorporate those, that knowledge and education into their lives? Um, and so basically, um, I discovered that there was um, a college of nutritional medicine in Australia, and I did the online course and realized that actually there were doctors who were already practicing this. And I was given a lot of practical knowledge on how to advise people on um, a low stress diet for example, which was in, in, which was getting rid of a lot of processed foods and I did that um, with a lot of people including myself and my family and there was just amazing benefits from it so it really that was pretty much a springboard for me to then launch into doing more uh, courses um, so
1: do you think your background also as a um group fitness trainer helped you focus more on nutrition because generally people who are more into wellness and health and exercise also pay more attention to their food which is something that conventional medical training doesn't focus on
0: yeah so for a while i was quite self-taught um and i thought group fitness being a trainer was something hands-on that I could do and it was a way actually for me to let out some of the frustration that I was having in the clinic because I wasn't really actively participating um, in helping people get to um, developing healthier habits. So yeah I think that's, that's a big part of it um, and then later on that led me to also seek for other colleagues who had the same mindset and the same philosophy and that's when I met you.
1: Ah, so that was about five years ago, I think.
0: Yeah, it was five years. So
1: I'm Vanessa. I'm a psychiatrist and I trained here in Hong Kong. Then I worked for 10 years in the public health sector, which unfortunately is very limited in what doctors can do because I only had five minutes to see a patient in the outpatient clinic. And so most of it was very heavy medication based and very little talking and understanding someone, let alone advising them on lifestyle changes and healthy eating habits. And for the longest time, I didn't know that, you know, medicine also could involve food and movement and stress management, because it just wasn't taught in the curriculum. And all you knew was depression, you give antidepressants, psychosis, you give you know, antipsychotics, you know, mood stabilizers, very heavy dose medications, but I guess for some, for a while after I've, you know, after ten years, I felt that I wasn't helping my patients, and mm. I was getting more frustrated in my job, and I I say this, but, you know, I love my, my my field as a, as a psychiatrist, but the job was killing my passion for it. Like the structure of the system was just making me feel so sad. So I left and started my own private practice and then I had a lot more time to spend with my patients in order, and also to start looking into alternative ways of treating people that is still very much science-based. And you realize a lot of these science are uh, published out there, it's just not in your conventional doctor space. Yes. You know, it's a journal of nutrition, it's, you know, other um, very well-established, uh, papers mm-hmm. um, that you don't necessarily come across unless you look for it right so I started to get interested in functional medicine and nutrition and all these things and we met through a mutual acquaintance and since then it's been five years
0: <laughs> I know it's gone by very quickly and yeah. I think um, you know both of us because we realized that we had to search outside of our um, initial primary training to find the 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 answers to to some of these really, um, you know, to the cases where we prescribe medication, but they still have symptoms.
1: Yeah, and I think reaching out to like-minded people was important because otherwise you feel very lonely, in your own little pocket of space when you're trying to create changes. But the conventional paradigm is very limiting and doesn't really allow you the space to explore all these other options because mm. you're judged by the standards of your peers. Mm-hmm. So if your peers don't agree with what you're doing, then you could get into trouble as a medical doctor.
0: Yeah. So that's why one of the things that we, you and I wanted to do or we, when we got together was to look for what's the evidence out there in nutrition, exercise, movement, alternative or complementary therapies, and try to educate the people, um, patients that we see um, on, on those things. But also together, I think we have different types of patients and we can all, but we also have overlaps um, in, a, in a lot of things too. So that's why um, we are doing this podcast. <laughs> yes. So
1: we're hoping this podcast can just channel a lot more of our energy towards wellness and holistic health and you know, some functional medicine and really give people an option to choose for themselves what their health journey is going to look like and not wait till the point where they're sick enough that they go to their doctors and get given a medication and no alternatives because chronic diseases don't develop overnight mm-hmm. and even though western medicine conventional medicine is very good for very acute things, like if I broke a leg I would like a doctor to fix it and put it in a cask um, but things like diabetes and hypertension, cancer, and pretty much every single mental health issue is related to um, your lifestyle and the way you're interacting with your environment. And sometimes Mm -hmm. when there's this mismatch, you're not expressing health in the way that is supported. And so these symptoms arise and we just medicate the symptoms in the conventional sense. And nobody really digs deeper into the root cause and figure out, well, why is this happening? Is it inflammation? Is it your gut? Is it hormonal imbalances? Is it nutritional depletion? Is it heavy metals? And all these things that when you start take tackling them one by one, you see mm-hmm. additional health benefits. You know, we yeah. see people who are you know, trying to um fix one part of their health notice that they're losing weight and they're mm-hmm. sleeping better and, and they, they have more energy they have more energy and then you know they feel more connected and they just have a
0: lighter spirit and so and so I guess what we don't want to do is just treat symptoms although we're very good at it because we're trained to do yeah. that but we also want to explore what other mechanisms what are the things that trigger um, the problem and what is still in terms of our, the choices that we make with our food and exercise Um, how that's contributing to some of our symptoms uh, or the symptoms of patients that we see Um, because this is really what we say this is really one of the definitions of preventive health if we are already treating a disease then that's not really prevention so we want to find what is it that makes people healthy what are the habits what are the choices that they make so that we truly can um, empower people to make the right choices so that they can optimize their health
1: yeah and the definition of health you know even as world health organization describes it it's not just an absence of a disease or it is ease right you're not feeling comfortable it's actually a state of complete physical mental and social well-being and i guess that's where we come to our next part which is we've also established ananta Mm well-being as our website and also places where our audience can find information and the word ananta means infinity so we want health to be uh ever continuing, you know enduring enduring and limitless amount of um, wellness that you can be. And be well being is exactly that. It's being well. It's yes. not feeling suboptimal. <laughs> it's not feeling, you know, aches and pains and ignoring those warning mm-hmm. signs and then
0: and not accepting it as just aging, because it, it's beyond, it's much more than that, it's How, actually... Yeah,
1: exactly. How often do you hear patients say, oh, it's just my age, you know, I'm getting forgetful. I'm like, you're 40.
0: Yeah. You shouldn't be or forgetful. Or actually you're 30 and you, you're you having I chronic fatigue. Yes. So I think this is really where we want to navigate this for people. And um, it's not really about prescribing medication um, or symptoms treatments, even with supplements, but. It really is about what are the resources um that each person of each person has, so we're hoping that this is something which, um, people can listen to, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully also, if there are any suggestions about topics that people want to um, understand more about, yeah, um, we're feel open free to, to
1: let us know and we'll cover those topics as best as we can, and I think what's driven us to make this podcast is even though there are a lot of similar podcasts out there they're generally from america or australia or uk where the lifestyle is a bit different i mean Mm -hmm. you and i both live in hong kong and the pace of the city life here is quite scary for some people because it's Mm -hmm. just go 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 all the time and sometimes when you hear people say oh just go for you know a therapy in the woods and and in Hong Kong it may not be as easy you know yeah. you don't have a backyard that you can <laughs> sit out in and meditate and so how do we navigate that in a very cosmopolitan city and still get benefits for our health yeah. and how to mitigate all the the you know the landmines that living in a city also brings
0: and also people in big cities are often focused on their career the jobs the profession um, often to the detriment and and they're sacrificing their own wellness and their own health and often we see these people with um, a breakdown um, where it's physical or mental we see that both those aspects and one of the things is to try to connect um, your mental health with the physical well-being and vice versa because it actually works both ways yes
1: so what do you think is important for well-being
0: I think it's important to first understand your own body and how you're feeling each day Um, and also to be able to withstand stress because I think everybody experiences stress but do we have the resources to be able to help us uh, meet those challenges Mm. and those are physical, mental, emotional Uh, and spiritual resources so we have those and we can identify and draw on that and we can go through stresses still have some symptoms perhaps but then recover quickly from them Um, i think that's what well-being is partly about what about yourself
1: i think for me well-being is just accepting who you are Mm -hmm. even if it's you know, sometimes not that great. You know, you still have, like you said, symptoms. I went through my own health journey and I guess that's what helps me. It helped me understand what it was like to be on the other side of the table. When you go to a doctor, you get dismissed, you get told (laughs) your lab test is fine, but you feel horrible. Um, (laughs) And the doctors just tell you to sleep more and exercise more and eat well without giving you any specific directions. And so for someone who's unwell, who's for someone who's sick, it's actually very disheartening not to have someone hold your hand and support you through that process. And so well-being isn't necessarily being well all the time, which is a bit unrealistic because we are humans. You know, we do get sick from bugs and we, you know, hurt ourselves. Uh, But knowing that there is a path to going back onto feeling great, Mm -hmm. you know, and that could be, from a physical, and a mental, a spiritual, and a social um, connection to yourself and to your community.
0: Yeah. And some people actually forget what it feels to be well, which is having lots of energy when you wake up, being motivated, and also um, in many ways to have a passion for the things that you enjoy, um, and to be able to do that as much as possible. Um, I think that's also part of well-being and it's a journey that I've slowly started to discover for myself because, like yourself, I did um, have health issues and um, being in the nutritional medicine space actually taught me a lot of really practical skills and ideas and it also helped people who were close to me in my family get better. And so it's very difficult to now go back and just practice prescribing medication um, And so, in fact, I actually don't do that as much now. Um, I haven't really done that in the last 10 years since I've gotten into this area. Um, And I've discovered also that there's just so much new information that's out there. And it's very difficult for a lot of people to navigate. Um, And also, when you go and see your conventional trained doctor, they may actually not be reading the information that's there because their focus is actually on um, conventional treatments. The pathology, the disease part.
1: Yes. And so... I feel that if people can have more knowledge about their options, then they can be empowered to make their choice about what they want for their health. Yeah, And the power of placebo is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. If you believe something works for you, it will work better. But you have to believe that first, that you can get better. And I think for a lot of people, when they are sick for so long, they're stuck in this vicious cycle thinking that this is their new norm hmm. and they lose hope of feeling better or they feel that they've tried everything yeah uh but they didn't maybe try in the right order or yeah. in the right um for sequence the right amount of time the sometimes the right time the right <laughs> dosage of supplements and you know google is great you know you can search for a lot of things online but i feel that you know As a doctor, Mm -hmm. we have the responsibility to help people get better. And so it's our mission to learn about these things so that we can give medical advice to help people make those choices in the most science-based way as possible. Safe as well. Yeah, and be safe and also navigate a lot of these different um, therapies that may or may not work for someone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so learning from our patients, you get this experience and collective knowledge that you can then help you know, identify yeah. the patient groups that may work for you know, a, certain, a, a certain therapy. And I guess that's where the medical training does come in handy, because yeah. that's where, mm-hmm. what we're trained to do.
0: Yeah, is to be able to put things into a systematized, logical way of working out a problem. Um, and present both sides of the story, the negatives and positives of each different types of therapies, because um, we know that everyone's different. I mean, the science of genetics has shown us that the environment and the choices that we make impact on our genes more so than the genes actually being the drivers of how we are and what kind of disease that we have. So that's why personalising and focusing on the patient or, or the individual is actually very different to the other paradigm of you just go to see your doctor and you do exactly what your doctor says um, which sometimes really may not be in line with the patient's beliefs or their understanding um, and I think that's part of um, what this change and this evolution in healthcare is about is we want to be in that space where we can bridge that gap for people
1: Okay. So let's talk about the different kinds of names of what these medicine is. What is integrative medicine? What is functional medicine? What is holistic medicine? What is complementary and alternative medicine? <laughs> There's so many names out there. Just that alone is confusing.
0: Yeah, so um, let's go to complementary medicine. So complementary meaning that you use it in adjunct to mainstream medicine, which is what we're trained as in conventional medicine, is to treat diseases. So anything that has to do with herbs, supplements, diets um, can be done in addition to your um, regular treatments from your doctor. Um, So that's to me what complementary is defined as. And there are different levels of evidence for this as well. Okay. And then what about integrative or holistic medicine? So I think holistic is basically looking at the whole person, looking at not just the physical, the mental, but the environment that they live in, the social network that they have. So that's holistic. Um, And I think um, even when we look at complementary medicine, we also try and address all these issues. Um, So I think it's more a term, and and also it becomes a tool that we use uh, because we're not just trying to treat one body part or one symptom. We're actually looking at the entire person and what is it around this person's environment that has contributed to that symptom. Okay, and so finally, what's functional medicine? Yeah, functional medicine is something that's quite new um, and it incorporates looking at what is the underlying root cause? So what is the mechanism of dysfunction? So it could be something that's biochemical, it could be physiological, um, it could be environmental as well. So it's identifying what's the trigger for this person and what is still perpetuating their symptoms um, and what's the journey in terms of all those areas that is now presenting uh, as a disease. So a person can be diagnosed with a disease, but they can also come with just chronic symptoms.
1: And when you say people who hear the word functional medicine generally associates it with more kind of techie lab testing and <laughs>
0: more like geeking out on, you know, the, it can be. the it can biochemistry be. of it. Yeah. I mean, it can be sure it can be, but I think it also has its roots in looking at the whole person there. There are before we had, you know, these advances in technology. Um, I mean, for example, Chinese medicine has looked at, you know, what are, what are the things that we can do to make someone healthy? What are the habits? Of health, and what are the habits of ill health or um, symptoms or disease? So, I think it's looking still at those basic principles.
1: So, it does sound like there's a big overlap between all of them. So, it's hard to
0: just say I do
1: one thing or the other.
0: Yeah, it's very difficult because we have. Between the two of us over 30 years, <laughs> we uh, span the full spectrum from full allopathic to the full woo. To, End of yeah. it. <laughs> to the holistic, to the personalized. You know, I think we incorporate all those modalities. Um, so it's not just that we practice in one way, but we have a consideration of all those modalities. And for each particular patient, we try to find out which are the modalities that will best suit them. And it often is a combination, but we do it in an order that is important because if someone is acutely unwell, they actually may need conventional therapy. They may need to go and see a socialist to stabilize and the condition. it's helpful we have a
1: license and that can yeah, prescribe the medication. We, it's
0: helpful and also we have colleagues who actually do this really well um, and they're experts in their field and we can draw on those resources. So that's really helpful. But then we also know
1: when to refer out to other people who carry out these complementary and internal, uh, integrative medicine. And so kind of like a triage, kind of yeah. like a GP role.
0: Yeah, very much so. And I think that's, that, that's the important part of what we do is we're open to working with practitioners um, who practice herbal medicine, who do acupuncture, because neither you or I know much about acupuncture. We definitely don't have any experience training or in training it. in it so we refer to people who would benefit yeah and um, from i guess we both work a lot with people
1: here who do energy healing mm-hmm. um, kinesiology hypnotherapy um, bioresonance yeah so all these other modalities which can be helpful for different people but it's knowing which one fits the right model and when they should do it in their particular stage of recovery.
0: Yes, otherwise it actually becomes overwhelming, and it's very difficult for people to change things all at once because we we all have other responsibilities. Yeah, and I think the
1: medical training also helps us understand that sometimes there are interactions between supplements And medication or with certain medications you shouldn't really be doing certain things Mm -hmm. and even though this podcast is not about giving medical advice we want to help people understand that you know everything comes with pros and cons so Mm -hmm. it's about having a very balanced view rather than just sticking to one or two things um, and you know disregarding other things that could also be helpful or not
0: yeah and and also the the other reason is when you make a change in your life or you take uh, a new supplement or you go on a new diet often there is improvement initially but also as your body changes and adapts to that then there are also other things that can happen so for example um, medication when people take medication sometimes they actually don't feel the side effects or the nutrient depletions that can result. So for example, taking the oral contraceptive pill, Um, it's not a bad or a good thing, it's a choice that people make, but you can be depleted in things like magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C, and these things don't occur straight away the next day because your body has a buffer and you're eating food every day. So it could be perhaps three months, six months down the track that you actually start to feel some of these side effects. Um And so it's important to be able to re- to reassess the interventions that uh, you've put in place. And this is something that we often have to do because we're used to prescribing drugs with side effects. So we have to assess them. Yes. And
1: I think what I feel with conventional medicine is it's removing the judgment around medication. It's just a tool. mm mm-hmm. And so if you feel that that's the right tool for the right job at the right time, yep. then patients shouldn't be denied that option. Yep. But the, what the doctor should be doing is thinking more long-term like, okay, so what happens after this? Is there an exit strategy? Is there a next step? How do we get them off the medication when they're, yep. when they're done with it? And the analogy I use a lot with my patients is, say you broke your leg and your doctor put it in a cask, and you can't really walk around without the crutch. So you use a crutch for a while, but mm-hmm. you still have to do the physio to strengthen your leg and train yourself again to be stronger. And mm-hmm. one day you don't need the crutch. Yeah. But a lot of people may just, you know, become Disregard complacent. Your, yeah. And and they yeah. they won't ever do any of the physio that strengthens themselves. And they will need to rely on the crutch forever because that part of the body will start to atrophy. So it's a patient's choice. yeah, um, And... It's, I I feel that, you know, in this health wellness space, people can have very strong opinions and Mm -hmm. I respect that, but sometimes it's, you know, difficult for someone to not have that option to really consider what's best for them. And Mm -hmm. I, I hope that, you know, our podcast can show people that, Hey, you know, it's neither good nor bad. It's very individual. They should have all the information before they make their own choices. And if you really want that person to be well, then you should support that person, whether it's a friend, your family, even yourself. We have a lot of judgments about ourselves. Mm. You know, I shouldn't do this. You know, this is a bad thing. And then we shy away from doing things that potentially could help us, but we are stuck in the narrative of what we can and cannot do.
0: I agree. And this is also where when I see patients, they've already tried lots of different avenues. And to be very honest, a lot of the times they've had great successes. Um, but often they might find that, well, actually, I did this for a while, but I still find that I have these symptoms. So I think this is where we have to navigate for the person, see what they've done, what's been successful. And because we've had so many different types of experiences, and we can actually um, fast track, I guess, um, in a lot of ways, what, what has worked based on the science um, that we've learnt, we can actually fine tune a lot of these strategies for people. Or sometimes it's about meeting the patient where they are. So if they
1: are you know, a newbie to the space, then start with baby steps, start with the lowest hanging fruit, start with the things that is easiest for them to achieve rather than setting, you know, very lofty goals and they feel that they can't do it. Mm. And so holding that space between conventional medicine and wellness is, I think, lacking a lot, especially in, in Hong Kong where we live where there are people on both ends of the spectrum, but no one's really talking to each other. There's no bridge
0: between them and patients have to navigate that themselves and it's very confusing. I think it's also um, maybe not just Hong Kong, but right now um, in this day and age where information technology has given access to a lot of people, um, it's confusing for them. So we wanna be uh, on this bridge Yes, um, of helping people navigate that space signpost everything <laughs>
1: <laughs> and hopefully with this podcast we'll be delving into different topics each week or every two weeks and see what we can bring to you to the audience that's right so check out this space and look for us at the wellness doctors and our um, podcast will showcase you everything we have to chat about on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> like we're doing now. So we'll see you next time. See you next time. You can find us at anantawellbeing.com and follow us at Anantawellbeing Wellbeing on Facebook and Instagram. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review to help other like-minded people find us.
0: This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and is not intended to treat or diagnose any medical condition. This podcast and its producers disclaim any responsibility for adverse effects that result from the use of this information. Opinions of guests are their own and are not endorsed by this podcast. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions. We do not make any representation or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Both producers and guests may have direct or indirect interest in the products and services mentioned. If you think you have a medical condition, please consult a licensed physician.